Hi, my name is Jonathan Darty, and I'm the founder of Gateway to Freedom, and I used to be addicted to porn and sex. Gateway to Freedom is our workshop for men who want to overcome any kind of sexual struggle or stronghold. It's conducted over three days in a safe, private setting with professional counselors and experts in dealing with sexual brokenness issues. Now, space at each workshop is limited to ensure the highest quality of personal attention. And the workshop is available throughout the year in several locations around the United States. Hundreds of men over the years have found hope and healing through Gateway to Freedom, and I believe you can too. Our next workshop is coming up December 6th through the 8th in Texas. You can register by calling 1-800-49-PURITY, that's 1-800-497-8748, or by visiting BeBroken.com. Good day, listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio Broadcast. We're glad to have you with us. My name is Jonathan, and we actually have in the studio with us one of our local guests and local experts. I love it. Uh, Mandy Majors with Next Talk. So, Mandy, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. And I was trying to figure out, I'm so terrible with dates because I've been doing this for so long, but it's probably been a couple years since we've had you on the program. I think so. My book and came out in 2017. I think it was right it was after right that. right around there. Uh, so maybe. Yeah, well, that's that's to our shame. We should have you on more often <laughs> because you really do have a lot of great things to say to parents and really help them think through that. And I, I really can't wait to get into our conversation. But listeners, I wanted to let you know as we are... As we're wrapping up 2019, um, we are a listener-supported broadcast. The only way that you're seeing us or hearing us is because we've just had faithful and generous partners come alongside and say, hey, you know what? I believe in what you guys are doing. I think it's valuable and it's important to the kingdom of God. And so if you would like to help us just finish this year strong and uh, start 2020 in a good position for some of the ministry initiatives that we've got going on, just go to puresexradio.com and you can click on the donate link and learn how you can support us. So, Mandy, um, yes, you did, before we get in our conversation, and you did mention you've got a book out. Can you share us a little bit about that and then how our listeners might be able to get a copy of that? Yeah, it's called Talk, A Practical Approach to Cyber Parenting and Open Communication. Um, it came out in 2017. It was the resource that I wrote that I needed at the time. Right. Uh, my fourth grader was exposed to pornography at the school lunch table, told mm. in graphic detail about it. And she came home and I wasn't quite sure how to have a conversation with an elementary age child about all that entailed. And I looked everywhere for a parenting resource that would help guide me on those conversations, the tough ones that were kid friendly and appropriate, but just that would speak truth into her. And um, found lots of great parenting books with lots of wisdom, but not something that really touched on the digital age and the exposure that's mm. coming at our kids so fast. Well, and also, I think it's so important what I think you guys do, and I'd love for you to explain it in your own words in a minute, but kind of the way I've seen you guys grow at Next Talk is, and one of the reasons that I think you resonate so well with so many parents is that I think sometimes when it comes to just the rate at which technology is advancing and all these other things that seem to be just a wave of overwhelming, you know, stuff that's yeah. happening in our culture that I think a lot of the approaches have been related to the mechanisms that exist in kids' lives rather than something that is old as time itself, and that is face-to-face -face communication and how do you actually talk to one another. I don't think that's ever going to be 
out of vogue. It's never going to be the. It's never going to be trumped by any other kind of technology when it comes to parent-child relationship, right? right? And you guys really seem to hone in on that of like, no matter what the technology is, no matter what is being advanced, and obviously we know there's short shelf lives to anything that is technology-wise. Yeah. We need to know how to talk to our kids. Yeah, I, you know, I think we're hitting it on both perspectives because, you know, we we review apps. We we just yeah. did a podcast on TikTok. You know, we talk about Instagram because our kids are on it. We're writing in real time. We're speaking in real time. I mean, we've got kids every night that on our team, something's being, they're being exposed to something. And so we're having to have that difficult conversation. So one, we can educate parents on what that app is and what it's exposing to them to. But then on the opposite side of that, what you just talked about is we can, we can really get down and say, listen, this is the conversation we had to have with our seven-year-old last night about what they saw online in those right. real practical terms. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about just kind of the way that you guys go about trying to get your information in front of parents, how you, how you connect with parents. Um, and then let's talk even a little bit about what you're actually trying to train parents in when it comes to helping them talk specifically around these issues of sexuality and gender and all the things that are going on in our world today. Yeah. Well, we have a lot of different resources. First of all, social media. We post content every day. We it, That goes through an editing process internally through our team of parents um, that have kids ranging from four to 22. So that's one. That's an easy way because parents are busy. And so we want to provide fast, easy content every day through our social media. Um, the other thing is we have podcasts also where we we do uh, things like TikTok, like I just said. We also have marriage shows over there. Just really how to create a culture of conversation in your home. Mm-hmm. So it's not only with your kids, but with your spouse. Um, we have a video study. It's a nine-week video study. Um, it's now being used in 14 different states. And we just launched our first international group in Germany, which is really exciting to see God do that. But it's a nine-week study. Um, each video is 30 minutes long. It's myself on there. I'm kind of the host along with my co-host, uh, Kim. And our husbands are on there. Our kids are on there. And then you pause it at the end, and it has your discussion questions. So everything is digital. It's a link to click on. There aren't any DVDs or anything like that. It's very user-friendly. And um, that is, we've we've seen that that has been great for for events that we can't get to, you know, because we're kind of busy. Right. Um, we do events as well. And we did 35 this year across five different states. So we've been doing a lot more. Um, and last year, we only had 11 events. So you can kind of see how, how much that growth has taken place. But what we really like to do now that we found works really extremely well is come in and do an event at a church. And they can market that as mm-hmm. a community event. Because everybody, no matter what religion you are or not religious, you need help parenting in the digital world. Right. right? And so this could be a community outreach type of event. And then that night, they're excited, they're pumped up about everything they've learned, they can sign up for the nine week video study, and then come back with your people and at your church and go through our video study on a nine week basis. So we hope that it does keep kids safe online and helps parent child relationship. But we also want it to build the local church like we want Mm -hmm. this to be an outreach. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about just some of the feedback that you guys have been getting and just even because we love to hear stories. We love to know like, Okay, how does this actually connect with people? Because you know, sometimes, um, and this is just my weird personality. Sometimes I'm I'm bent skeptical, mm-hmm. and so a lot of times I hear, you know, I'll be hearing something on the radio or I'll hear something on television, and I'm like, 
yeah, but what's on the backside? It's like, is this really working, you know? And yeah. You, and I hate the fact that I'm kind of bent that way. And I think a lot of people are, though. Yeah, but, because but we're like, prove it. We've been burned before, right? Or we've been something. And I think, too, not to get too sidebar here, too often into this, I think when it comes to even how Christians have sometimes on the front end sold certain things about the gospel that actually aren't true, mm-hmm. and then on the back end show through our lives the hypocrisy of what we're trying to say. You know, I think sometimes there's an automatic skepticism when a Christian comes sometimes with a message of saying, hey, we've got a hope-filled message. We've got something that can help you in your parenting, really help improve the dynamic of your relationship with your kids. So tell us what's actually happening with parents and kids out there in in your events and just what's happening with the video study. It's been really cool to see. And, you know, if you if you want us to do an event at your church, you can go to our website and click on events and we can get you all sorts of recommendations and references from pastors of where we've been and they can share the stories with you mm-hmm. um, firsthand. And I think that you should. You should vet anybody out that's coming into your church because I think that's a sacred space. Oh, yeah. And it, it's such an honor, right, to be invited into that into that space and to speak over people in the church. Um, but yeah, I there's so many stories I could share with you. One, one flashes before my mind every day. And it was at a conference that I was speaking in uh, last spring, not in Texas. And um, we normally market our event as parent only because we it's rated PG-13 or even R on some points because we talk about online sex trafficking and sharing nudes, like all the stuff that's happening with our kids. Like we have to know what's going on. Exactly. Yeah. So we have to bring it into the light. Um, and so a, a young child walked in to one of my sessions and I saw one of our Next Talk members go over to the parent and say, I'm not sure that you want your little girl at this in this moment you know and they're like no no it's fine well at the end of that the little girl came up to speak with me and um she was crying and really upset um she couldn't look at me in the eyes Mm. um this child was 11 years old homeschooled no phone Mm. watching porn for nine months Mm. she was broken um now, I, 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 broken. I need to just let that sink in for some of our listeners and viewers because I do think there is still, within the church especially, there's still just this blindness mm-hmm. to recognize. You just said an 11-year-old girl has been viewing porn for nine months. Um, Homeschooled I wish, and, and no phone. Right. And <laughs> I wish I could say, oh, that's an anomaly. Yeah. But the reality is, is that's becoming more and more the norm rather than some kind of abnormal We were state. at this conference for three days. The next day, we were at our table. No, this new family did not know the old family existed, obviously. Mm. Same situation, but it was a 10-year-old girl. Mm. Same exact situation. Both little girls just broken because they felt like the the word she used to me was when I try to sleep, I see the images mm. and I'm so confused about what it should look like and what a relationship should be because she was watching all different types of pornography, which is, by the oh, way, yeah. parents, we need to recognize it's not just male, female anymore. You know, there's lots of different things, two males, two females, threesome, like all of that. And Mm -hmm. so they're exposed to that and it creates a lot of confusion on their part. And um, she just thought her life was over because she was like, how could God ever use any of this? Like, I'm so messed up. Mm -hmm. And I just hugged her because the part of the story that I loved about 
the whole thing was she had confessed to her parents because she couldn't take it anymore. Mm. And I just loved her bravery and that I was able to say to her, do you know how many kids are hiding this from their parents? And you were brave and courageous to bring this into the light because, you know, Satan works in the dark and he wants our kids to suffer in silence. And so many times they don't want to disappoint us. And so the fact that I got to to pray that over her and to tell her, like, I even painted this picture for her of, you know what, once you go through counseling and you go through healing, the healing process, what if you shared your story in five or six years and you helped other kids? Mm-hmm. Like, God can do that, you know? Yeah. God uses the most messed up of people. And then I got to tell her a little bit about my past and how messed up it was. And look how God is using me now, mm-hmm. you know? So I just think sometimes we have to speak that hope into our kids. So tell us how, so in a situation like that, obviously, man, what a what a commendable thing for that 11-year-old to have the courage to, to tell yeah. her parents. And I think that's something that, that parents need to hear, um, that that is the unusual part of the story. That's very unusual. The fact that she was seeing pornography at 11 years old and this other girl at 10, that's actually not the unusual part. The unusual part, and I think that's what parents need to hear, is that if you're waiting for your 10, 11, 12-year-old child to come to you voluntarily and reveal information that is absolutely terrifying, confusing, whatever else to them, you're probably going to be waiting a long time. Absolutely. I'm so glad you pointed that out. Another another story in a totally different state, again, not Texas, went in, did an event. One of our talking points is parents, you have to be very clear about what you want reported to you because they see so much online. Mm-hmm. They're shown so much from their friends They don't know what to tell you about and what not to tell you about, okay? So one of the guidelines that we have in our home is anybody in a bathing suit or less, that doesn't mean I believe all bathing suit pictures are bad, but just tell me about that, right? So that was one of our talking points. Mom and dad left the event, went home that night, set their middle schooler down, and and basically was like, we've never had this conversation, but you know, anything in a bathing suit or less, you need to tell us about, right? The next day... Nude photos had been going around, but this kid didn't know how to handle that. Mm. But because of that conversation, she went and reported it to the school. The kid did Mm. because she knew. And I know that parents look at it like, well, of course, don't take pictures without your clothes on. Or, of course, don't share nude. That's their culture. They, they share, snap, post everything. So we have to be very specific in that's not the right thing to do. That's not okay. So now thinking about this this 11-year-old or really anybody, yeah. let's say, okay, so the information is revealed. Let's Regardless of whether or not the child comes and volunteers that information or the parent somehow find out about it, what's the best way to go about what happens next? in that conversation because you know it's one thing to get things out into the light it's another thing how the conversation goes from that point that's going to be either like destructive or redemptive so how do you instruct parents at that point once it is revealed that my child's been looking at something or had something shown to them it is so important to pray and process Oftentimes what happens is we respond with harsh words and those words are often shaming and Mm. condescending 
And of course, we're disappointed, you know, that this has happened. But I tell parents all the time, listen, your kids are going to mess up. They're going to do the wrong thing online. Our job is to default to love. That's first. We got to default to love because if we don't, what's going to happen is we're going to go blow up mode. Yeah. I call it crazy mom mode in my book, right? And that is just going to hurt the relationship. It's not going to get us to a point where we're walking alongside our child trying to get them to overcome the bad habit or the addiction. When my when my wife and I, we've had lots of couples along the way and, and we're now becoming you know, the couple with the older kids now, where so, so we're getting <laughs> a lot of these. Field? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm getting more gray My hair. <laughs> yeah. So now we're getting a lot of these parents that have younger kids and asking us a lot of this stuff and especially around like, okay, what happens when I find this stuff or whatever. And uh, I like to tell parents, you need to work on your not shocked and no shame face. Yes. Like <laughs> it's the filter. And it's like, Parent I mean, filter. I've told parents, I said, no, literally get in front of a mirror and practice, say to yourself, my kid, I just found out they're looking at porn. I just found out somebody's showing them porn. What am I going to look like? And like literally in a mirror, like show yourself, show your non-shocked face because I think we are so prone to just an immediate reaction Mm -hmm. that like you said, we don't realize sometimes how that comes across. And when you think about the parent-child dynamic already, parents are naturally from the child's perspective in a position of authority and a position of power. So really anything that a parent does is always going to be exaggerated in the perspective of the child. Yes. So I remember this came home to me in a huge way in something that seemed so innocent, no big deal. And then later on, I think God really kind of showed me what that would have looked like from my son's perspective. I remember one time I was when he was a lot younger and we were kind of having a little bit of a tug of war about him cleaning his room. Mm-hmm. And I remember I finally got to the point where I went and I stood in his door and I said in a, in a very strong voice, Ethan, you got to clean this room in the next 30 minutes or there's going to be consequences. And then I walked away. And um, a little later, I realized I just terrified my child. Mm -hmm. Totally unintentionally. And I mean, what parent out there hasn't had one of those moments where like the voice gets raised. You're not physically abusive or anything like that. But the other thing too is I have a six foot four frame. Yeah, You put me in a door... And I pretty much fill the door. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking I had like a six or seven year old boy at the time. Yeah. Looking up to what to his perspective would already seem like a giant in authority with power and now a stronger voice. And so I think if we take that same kind of thing and say, okay, now you're going to be dealing with a, your child that has been exposed to something that already is going to confuse them, might excite them some, but they still are, don't know what it's all about. Mm-hmm. We have to remember we're still in a position of power and authority. We have to be careful about how we go from that point, right? Well, and I think also because they're growing up digital natives and we're not, we're so unfamiliar with everything they have access to. And so that creates emotion in us also. So you, it's like fuel to the fire, right? Mm. And so we've got that going on because we're in unknown territory. Plus, we just found out, oh my gosh, they're looking at porn. What kind of porn? You know, what what have they actually been exposed to and what are they questioning now and what are they confused about now? And so it it is just a ball of emotions that we need to be super careful of. Um, and I get it. I mean, you know, my kids, 
they're exposed to things and it makes you so mad that they have to grow up in this world and that they can't just have an innocent childhood. Like I've asked that a hundred million times, you know, it frustrates me to no end. But at the end of the day, us venting and going off, it's not going to solve the problem in creating a conversation where we can actually work through what they're seeing online. Yeah. So you said pray and process, right? So help us know what that, um, um, that process element looks like in, in terms of like, what do you tell a parent? Hey, this is probably the first thing or the first couple of things that you need to ensure happen in order to set the tone or even specific things to say. Well, the one is, you know, stay calm for sure. Um, the other thing is, you know, sometimes in the moment, especially if when if they've confided in you, if they've come to you and said, I'm struggling with this, just hearing like, I love you the same. Yeah. Like, even though I know this deep, dark secret of yours, like I love you the same that I did yesterday. And you know what I mean? They just need to hear that. Sometimes just a hug. That goes a long way. Um, And it really models the way Jesus loves us. Mm -hmm. You know, he loves us the same. And so um, doing that, but like in a situation with me, what it would look like for me when I say pray and process, you know, if my kids have been exposed to something, it may be... um, step back and I've stayed calm and I've said, thank you for telling me and I love you. Let me process this for a minute on how we have to have the conversations going forward on what this does to your brain and how it protects your mind. Then it may look like my husband and I talking it over at night, you know, and what is their personality and how do we need to have this conversation? Because different kids require different conversations and you got to know your kid. You got to know their personality. So talking it over with my husband, it may mean calling my mentor. You know, I need some Bible verses on this or a biblical story to help me. Is anything coming to mind that I could help with this teachable thing? You know, it may be something like that. Um, I do always try and tell parents, you know, go back within 24 hours of the initial thing because you want to circle back and you want to get in there and talk about the truth of why it's harmful to you and what you need to do going forward. You know, there may so need to be new guidelines set up. I was going to say, so obviously in that part, part of be about being able to come back and tell the truth about this, that means then there's an educational component that the parents need, right? Because like you said, they feel digitally ignorant. There's Sometimes they don't even know what they really think about issues of sexuality and integrity and all that. So they've got to kind of, so I'm hearing you say there's kind of some of the stuff that has to go on simultaneously also in the parent, as well as then what they're trying to do with their child. Well, absolutely. I mean, when my, my kid six years ago, when this whole thing started with me, I mean, I dug in the Bible like never before to make sure that I knew what I knew, what I knew about Mm -hmm. God and sex and sexuality and all of it. Because here I'm, you know, in this position where I'm teaching my kid and I want to get it right. And I want to make sure that we're biblically sound. And so that did have to happen. And we have all sorts of resources that can help you with that. And I'm sure you do as well, Mm -hmm. you know, at Be Broken. Um, So that if you need a crash course, you know, you've got a conversation. uh, We get a lot of that. Hey, I'm in the 24 hour waiting period. They'll message us and say, do you have a podcast on sexuality or sex or give me the Bible verses, you know, that you use for those. And lots of organizations can help you with that if you need a crash course for sure. Well, and then so thinking about getting through this initial 24 hours, you're trying to kind of create a sense of calm. You're trying to say, listen, this doesn't affect your value to me, your worth. You're not in trouble in the sense of like there's a there's a punishment for what you have seen that's like no that's not the case but now there there likely is going to be a sense of where do we go from here mm-hmm. regarding access boundaries and all that how do you begin to establish maybe some new boundaries 
while still communicating the utmost value that you have on this child. Because sometimes boundaries can start to be seen as punishment. And how do you help parents kind of navigate that? Well, and it's different for different ages. You Mm -hmm. know, if your kids are small and little and they don't have phone chat, I say right now, create a guideline in your family because you're more like the rule maker at this point. Create a guideline that says no phones in bedrooms or bathrooms, like none behind closed doors. And then when they get a phone, it's just common operating procedure. I'm not going to take my phone in there and close my door for three hours. You know, that's just not how we operate in our home. If you're older kids and we find this a lot because i think there was a lot of generation that just gave the phone and there was no contract there was no guidelines because it was like the first wave of kids who got phone with an access to internet right Mm -hmm. and so um if your kid is older and then you've discovered pornography or um, they've come to you or whatever i think that's a moment where you can now say um first of all you got to ask yourself the hard question did i prepare them to see pornography. And if you didn't, there may be an, I'm so sorry. Yeah, repentance. That we didn't have a conversation and I own some of this. Now, parents, listen to me. This doesn't mean this excuses your kid if they've actively been looking at it for a year or whatever, right? But by saying we're sorry about not having the conversation, the preventative conversation, it takes a wall down. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes then that older kid can say, well, I'm sorry for the part that I played in it. And so we're just trying to get that communication. And then it looks more like, well, what can we do now to prevent this from happening going forward? Mm -hmm. So maybe it's a reset and it's a new guideline. You know, maybe this kid has had phones in bedrooms since they were six and there's been no guidelines. Well, now there's a a conversation about how this is bad for your brain and it's affecting how you're looking at people and your relationships. And so can we work together? What are some guidelines that we can create together that we're comfortable with? Now, again, this is your 16 and 17 year old where you can't just go in blazing. These are the new rules, even though you want to. Um, And so it looks different for different ages. And I think sometimes maybe with those older kids, it can be something where if uh, it would go a long way. I think of parents are going to say, let's do this together. Absolutely. So in other words, the I'm not going to I'm not going to have some kind of double standard in here about how I use my phone from how you use your phone. So maybe the parents say, hey, listen, even though I may be in, in the room, the bedroom with my spouse, maybe we won't have our phones in our bedroom either. You know, that kind of this a thing. This is a whole it's... conversation that we've had. My husband has to have his phone in our bedroom for emergency work calls. Yeah. But we have a conversation with them about that. Like, it's going to sit there. He's not on social media. He's not looking at, you know, because his mind needs time to decompress and get a good night's sleep. And so we have these conversations with our kids and model it out for them. So we've talked here a little bit about when uh, we've got a few minutes left and and we've talked about how, um, okay, so now you find out that a kid has been looking at something. Let's let's take one final, let's kind of end on this other track. For those parents out there that maybe they've got little kids and, and they're wanting to say, you know what, I, I don't want this to be something that's reactionary. I don't want this to be something that when my kids are 11 or 12 and then I find out they've been looking at porn, No, I want to know how do we begin to establish now the kinds of conversations that are important. So what would you say to those those parents out there that they've got littles and they're saying we want to set the tone early so that we're not having to have maybe just 
a reactionary conversation later This is on. my passion, yeah. reaching parents when they're living right? preventative yeah. stuff, right? A 10 is where everything is crazy and there's a porn addiction. We want to reach it at one, two, and three by conversations, you know, prevent that from happening. But I would say every little time your kid comes home and they may say, hey, what is the F word? Or made it, maybe mm-hmm. what is the S word? Or something they've heard on the playground or whatever. That is a teachable moment. Like you're setting the foundation now that they're able to come to you and you're going to be their Google. You're going to be their source of information, right? And if you sweep that under the rug and be like, oh, we don't use that word. And then that's it. Mm. You've just told them like, I can't come. We don't talk about that stuff. So there's so many little things, teachable moments every day that you can do right now to create this new culture of conversation in your home. Yeah, that's so good. And I think that is so important. And, And I think a lot of what you're saying then really causes parents to have to look in the mirror, right? To realize, what have I built shame around? What have I said I'm unwilling to talk about? And some of that can even go back to their own histories in their own home, right? So I want to offer encouragement to parents that you can break the cycle. You can break those generational you know, curses that you don't have to pass them on to your kids anymore. Well, and I tell parents so much, like it, being able to look in the mirror, like this keeps your kids safe. It takes away the fear. Mm-hmm. I'm not scared about what my kids are going to see online because they're going to come home and ask me. Right. Like I've created the culture, right? And so doing the hard work, looking in the mirror and saying, what do I need to fix about me? Or what from my past do I not want to talk about because it hurts? Right. Doing that hard work, it literally could save your kids. Well, and that's what I love about what you're doing, Mandy, is, you know, you drink your own Kool-Aid, so that's good. <laughs> and uh, I'd love for you to be able to tell our listeners how they can get more information about your video studies and just also um, the resources that you guys offer at Next Talk. Yeah, it's all at nexttalk.org. There's a there's a page for podcasts, there's a page for video study, and there's a page for events, a fill-in form if you want more information about us doing an event. And we'll put the uh, we'll put the link on our on our show notes, but is it just one T? It's next, two T's. Two T's. It's next two T's. talk. Yes. Okay. I could never remember Thank that. Thank you for usually, clarifying that. Well, usually when I put it in my browser, it's already in there. So it just kind of yes. comes up. Are you ready for the next talk with your kids? Next yes. talk. So it's not like direct TV where they Correct. only use one T. Two okay. T's. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, Mandy, thanks so much for being with us. Thank and uh, we appreciate what you're doing. And listeners, we're always glad that you're with us. And we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.